Previously on the Loyal Littles podcast, we went over to their house and he was actually across the street sitting at the pool and we ended up meeting him and talking and I think having lunch there or something. And on the way home, I told my friend, I said, Susan, I'm going to marry him. And she's like, Trip? You want to marry him? Let's fade this out before we get in any more trouble than we're already in. <laughs> Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC podcast network. Roxy's with me, of course. And guess who's back on the show? Drum roll, please. Tiny Chuck. <laughs> What's up, Tiny Chuck? He's Tiny alive. Chuck. Alive. Now, Ritz is supposed to be here for the party. We're obviously throwing a big party. Half, we, what am I saying? We have to start all over. Happy birthday, Tony Kornheiser. Oh, my God. Happy, happy, happy birthday. birthday for, happy birthday. Without, to the man that created all of this. He created all of this. All of this insanity. <laughs> we would not be here talking right now if it wasn't for Tony Kornheiser. So happiest of birthdays, Mr. Kornheiser. He's probably not even listening, but Dr. that's okay. Oh, maybe the, maybe the word will get around. Maybe. I doubt it. Maybe <laughs> someone tell Carol that we wished him a happy birthday. Right. <laughs> and more importantly, Tiny Chuck showed up for it. Yeah. So now, oh, I would not have missed it now, for all the world. <laughs> now, where the heck is Ritz? Ritz was supposed to be here. We we're supposed to have a party. Simon was supposed to be here. Now, we know what happened with Simon. I mean, he's just not even answering his phone. So, wah, wah. so yeah. Oh, poor Simon. So poor Simon. why don't we get into that in a second? Let's let's we have a big announcement first, uh, and I can't think of a better time to do it than on Tony's birthday. But we wanted to make reference to we had a big announcement from Jerry Negrelli, and I was like, "What? You want? You like Jingle Fest? How about one? How about two Jingle Fests? So wow. it's coming up." It was announced. We have what he's calling the first one. It's called Jingle Trek. Now, Chuck, heads up. Pay attention. March 5th, 2022 in Nashville, Tennessee, Chuck. Hey. That's right up the road from you. Yeah. So you might need to. right up the road. You might have to. Right up the road. A couple of what? Six hours? I mean, you can make that. No big deal. You can do that. That's not far. That's easy. That's easy. My sister used to live there. Yeah. I was going to say, you used to have a sister in Nashville. Right. So, and then Little. Franklin, actually. Yeah. Franklin. I know where Franklin is because my, you know, my dad lives down there. And then we are going back to Virginia 7, it's called. And it's June 25th, 2022. That's Jingle Fest for the, that's the normal big one. I don't want to say normal because they're both going to be normal, but I mean, this is great. You get double the fun, double the pleasure, all that. So wasn't that double mint gum or yeah. something? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to rip that off too. So we're excited. We're trying to already make plans. Yeah. We're trying to figure this out. Yeah. I think we might just, uh, I don't know. We're going to tell my boss that's our honeymoon. I don't know. We're going to figure something out. <laughs> Let's, it's, it's going to be incredible incorporated with our honeymoon that's that's the plan it's not going to be the honeymoon no it's It's not going to be the incorporated with the honeymoon yeah i tried that (laughs) little you remember remember the day you got married you know the date uh yeah i remember that okay okay good keep that keep that in the in your back pocket or in your wallet well the best part about this covid thing if there is such a thing is i don't even have to worry about remembering my one-year anniversary because we're that's when we're having this well you but you're going to be there chuck everyone's going to be there for one year anniversary everyone all the littles come on over yeah come on up come on up to connecticut 
I know a couple wanted to crash our actual wedding. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I, okay. This is funny, Littles. I'm actually getting texts from Simon right now. Oh, and it says, update. "Woof, tough game." Now, this is the first I'm hearing from Simon. Yeah, he says he's out. Yeah, he's not coming on the podcast, <laughs> Littles. That's. I for swear to you, that just happened. I did not make that <laughs> for up. For some reason, I don't blame him. Yeah, I mean, so anyway, it's been a rough. So let's get into that. Italy over England in penalty kicks. Now, Chuck, real quick, in thirty seconds or less, where do you come out on that? Are you a penalty kick fan? Or are you not? Oh yeah, I'm fine with it. I don't really. I mean, I guess they've kind of incorporated that in hockey too. But uh, well, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it, I thought they started taking like players off the ice, like one at a time for each team. And then they skated out. I don't even know. I'm not hockey either, but I thought that's part of it. Yeah. In the last couple of days, I've heard many different possibilities for this, other ways to handle this. And obviously, what do they call it? The golden goal. uh, Don't look at me. Where that's like, um, (laughs) that's like sudden death. First one to score. Just because it was close. Are you really, do we really need to change it? I mean, it's worked for years and years. I don't know that just because there was a, it came down to that. Soccer, so, well, football, however you want to call it. Football. You know, there's so many games that end 1 1, 1 0. So you got to yeah. have something. You can't just keep having overtime, overtime. Seems like a, a good solution to me. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest. To, to me, which I call a very, very, very casual fan of football, I love it. I think it's great because I just wish we yeah, could it's skip. So dramatic. I just wish we could skip the other stuff. Definitely skip that overtime crap. What was that? That like two extra oh, periods mean, before uh, the penalty kicks. Just go to penalty kicks, or better yet, just show up and do uh, penalty kicks. I mean, that would be great for me, <laughs> for me personally. I'm just saying. I don't know. I like it. I I don't really get into the those games, but I mean, Euro Cup, obviously the World Cup, Olympics. I'm all I watch all those matches. I love it. I think it's very dramatic. And if it goes to the PKs, then do it because that just adds to it. And you know, it's like that poor kid that missed the kick. You know, 19 years old or whatever. You know, if he had made it, he's like hero to the country for the rest of his life. So it's just it's, it's such such drama. Yeah. You know, to that it's just kind of one on one and yep. and you know, you can be the hero or you Or you the goat. I hope he doesn't I hope hopefully people will feel sorry for him and not yeah know, be angry with him, but so, whatever. So we did hear we got some tweets and stuff from Christopher Giannini. We uh he he, write, he writes in and says Simon needs to understand England doesn't do anything as well as Italy. We make better cars, Ouch. food, wine, Ouch. and lovers. Ah. All the things that make life worth living. So I mean, it's a good point. I mean, and, that's really true. And later on we came up he, well, I don't yeah. think he came up with He's it. Not lying. It was it was hashtag it's coming Rome. See what he did there? That's All good. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. clever. So we got some other things we have to get going here. Lots to do today. This is an incredible day. Happy birthday, Tony Kornheiser. Did we say that already? I think yeah. we did. All right. So NBA update. We got sort of a series. We'll see more after tomorrow night. But uh, Milwaukee finally wins. They do what they're supposed to do. They went on their home court. Are those so the deer? That's Fear the Deer. That's the Bucks. Oh. Okay. Uh, so Phoenix is up 2-1 tomorrow night, game four in Milwaukee. So we'll see if uh, Milwaukee can really make it a series or not. Chuck, do you have a horse in that race? No, I'm just looking for a good series. I, either team wins, I'm, I'm happy for them because they're both kind of obscure organizations. And then we do have to also pay notice to the, the incredible Novak Djokovic. He wins Wimbledon. 20th Grand Slam. I mean, we obviously just had to make note of that. I mean, that's just such an incredible feat. He's going to break everyone's records, I think. He's going to be the greatest of all time. The GOAT. He's right there. He's with Rafi and Roger, you know, and I think he. it was awesome for him to give uh, props to them in his victory speech, too. So he's great. Yeah. 
All right, and then we have one little correction, and this actually came in from Ritz, who's supposed to be here. I don't know where Ritz is. Maybe he's sleeping through Tony's birthday party. Uh, but And I will give a little semi-credit, because Sully from Boston also made note of this, but ah. he wasn't first. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, I don't know if you heard the last episode when I told the story about how we met, and we were on the bus, and you got me back into baseball, and the Orioles were playing the Red Sox on opening day, or opening series, no, I should say. I didn't hear that. Oh, well, you need to I go remember, back. I remember that scene, though. Yeah, because then I hung it up. I hung up all the pictures on my bus yes. seat. Yeah, so no Mo's, yes. no hitter was actually the second game of the season, not opening day. Like I said, it was no Mo's Red Sox debut. Ritz also writes in, which Sully didn't have any trivia notes, but Ritz did. He wrote in, Nomo is one of five pitchers with no hitters in both leagues. The only pitcher with an opening day no hitter is Bob Feller. And he says he has a story related to Feller's no-hitter, which we'd love to be hearing right now, but he's not here. So anyway, let's get on to last night's stuff. Uh, now, Chuck, you you like the Home Run Derby, I hear? Oh, I like it with my guys in it, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't care. Second place, Chuck? <laughs> sound, sound familiar? Second place, yes, yes, I know. So Always who's a your... bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah, so who's your guy? Mancini's <laughs> your guy, right? Because you're a nose fan. Mancini's my guy, yes. Yeah. And yeah, who'd he absolutely. lose to? Alfonso. He lost to the polar bear, yeah. The polar bear. Uh, from the Mets. That's his nickname, the polar bear. Gotcha. All right. Well, and then I do have to make... Now, this wasn't at us, but I'm going to make reference to it. Eric Lonergan, I saw he, uh, he either tweeted or he put it out on Facebook, which I think is an excellent idea, because I don't think I've watched the Home Room Derby probably in like 15 years. I just... It's... I don't know. It just doesn't... It takes it doesn't so... It's it so long. You. It's so long. I don't know. I feel like the first couple rounds should be much shorter. Anyway, Eric Lonergan writes, this would be a lot more exciting if they had to run around the bases between dingers. <laughs> now, think about that. If you only have like five minutes per round and every time you hit a run, you have to run around the bases and then stand there and hit another one. I mean, think about it. how great would that That'd be cool. That's great. Eric, cool. I think you're onto something. I love it. I would love that. I would watch because then it becomes a stamina thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just, can I hit the ball out? Right. It's who's fastest, you know, and then how long you take to go around the bases and stand there again. And, oh, my God, I think that's a great idea. I want to know how they choose the pitcher. That they, they can choose their own pitcher, I believe, because some people bring, like, their dad. Some people bring, like, their coaches oh, and stuff sweet. like that. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. I like that then. Yeah, so, okay. all right, Thank you two. You. <laughs> We've got so much to get to. There's, it's crazy. It's going to be a longer episode, but that's okay, because it's Tony's freaking birthday. <laughs> And um, we should so, send him a cameo. Yeah, we should. Oh, that was <laughs> <laughs> Chuck and Roxy cameo. Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> Great. Wait, his birthday is exactly seven days before mine. Oh, way to way to way to sneak that one in, Chuck. Oh, I love that. And Chuck, I wouldn't mind making reference to that if you would remember mine, but you never do. So hello. Anyway, and you weren't even Chuck, here from me. I remember yours it's during the year yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right you two let's get out of here great meet the littles guest all you loyal littles come on back because it's now time to meet the littles hi loyal littles this is mark soror your host of the los angeles area venue for summer of littles 3.1 on saturday august 7th Come join us at HQ Gastro Pub in Woodland Hills. Go to your Google machine and punch up summeroflittles.com and RSVP. Come and have a drink and share a story.
being played in this episode by Mike Friedman, and this song is called Breakaway. And Mike writes, I am originally from South Africa, and I have been performing in and around New York City for many years. I got tired of bars, restaurants, and weddings, so these days I write as much as I can, and I am a street musician performing on the boardwalk and enjoying sharing my music with people that just want to be happy. Mike says he loves to have people reaching out to him, and they can email him at cartoonrabbi at gmail.com. I love that. That is C-A-R-T-O-O-N-R-A-B-B-I at gmail.com. Or you can find him on Facebook under Mike Friedman. And he also has a YouTube channel. So head on over there and search Mike Friedman. And that is spelled F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. And as always, we'll play the full song, Breakaway, at the end of the podcast. All right, all you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the littles and another fun one for you today. We were planning on waiting till the 249th episode, but he has graciously agreed to come on much sooner. Please welcome to the podcast, Don Hammock. Hey, Don, how's it going? Hi, Chuck. Hi, Roxy. I'm doing good. All right. Well, I already told Roxy, I'm like, I don't think we're going to do much talking this episode. But Don, we know you're a loyal listener. We really appreciate that. And this is kind of amazing because you sent us some stuff and I did do some lurking as you requested. And I don't even know where to begin. So we're going to let you begin where you want to begin and tell us all about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, anything you want the loyal littles to know about Don. All right. Uh, my name's Don Hammock. I live now in Biloxi, Mississippi, down on the uh, beautiful Mississippi Gulf Coast. I work as the uh, sports information director at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, which basically means I'm the communications for our 10 teams. And you remember the story that Uncle Tony tells about standing with his toes in the end zone next to the guy from the University of Miami for the Flutie game? Not, what, wait, I've never, heard, I've never heard that story. What do you mean? Yeah, he, I'm, so I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, right. So he, uh, the guy he's talking to, he says some legendary guy. I'm not legendary, but I do the same thing he does. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I do that for, uh, and it's a junior college here and I have a good time doing it. But I, I grew up here on the coast. I went to Long Beach High School, which is a couple towns over, then went to Mississippi State. So I'm still walking on air after a World Series win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, went off in the Navy, and you can ask me about all the rest of the stuff in between. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what brought you to Mississippi? Is that the job in the school? No, I mean, this is this is home for me. Oh, we, we moved down here when I was uh, starting junior high. My mom was originally from the area, so we moved down here. And uh, when people ask me where I'm from, that's where I say I'm, I'm from. I was born in Alabama and lived for a little while in Kentucky, but I say I'm from down here on the coast. So, yeah, that was a big World Series win. That was exciting. Now, are you in touch by any chance with Mary Faye Randolph at all? No, I, you know, I, I don't do a whole a whole ton of woofing, as we would call it, you know, just you <laughs> gotcha. know, talk to people, especially as checkered as our history was with uh, we're always loath to jinx, you know, our team. So I didn't want to get too uh, let my bridges get too big. Yeah. So, uh, Right. No, I totally understand. She's really but big I, into the college. I, I will, baseball, I will pass along for her benefit that uh, the University of Texas 
began the season with a loss to Mississippi State and ended the season with a loss to Mississippi State. So that was that see, was gratifying. See, now sure. after you win, it's easy to trash talk, right? That's right. <laughs> We're on top of the world now, so. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a great, great win. So now I guess let's go back. I mean, it's really whichever direction you want. There's so much. I mean, you want to go into the Navy right away? Let's just get right into it. Like that, that was really interesting to us. Yeah, so I kind of tell people that I've, I have an engineering degree from Mississippi State, and I spent the rest of my career minimizing my earning potential. I joined the Navy and drove submarines around for a little while. And then when I got out, I went into journalism, and that's how I kind of wound up here. There's, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the Navy that's interesting to a lot of people. And, you know, I did stuff like I was the officer of the deck when we were going through the Continental Divide which not a lot of people can say when we went through the Panama Canal. I, wow. you know, I was on a, uh, our boat kind of bumped into a Russian boat at one point. That was uh, oh. an interesting day and done a bunch of things less dramatic than that. And like I told y'all before, I've, I've got stories I can tell you and I got a lot of stories I cannot tell you. <laughs> well, pick one you can tell us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it'd be a long drive to get up there to, uh, you know, if I tell you I'd have to kill you, that, you know, that old joke. <laughs> right, right. We did a swim call on the equator one time. We've I've been up in the Arctic Circle. You know, we were close mm. up there when we hit the, the Russian sub. And then there's a lot of just boring day-to-day stuff that you do that recruiters don't necessarily tell you when you're getting into it. But the uh, big thing is it's it, in some ways it kind of prepares me for what I'm doing now. I'm around teams all the time, and I played sports growing up. So I'm familiar with teams, but that's the biggest team I've ever been a part of is, you know, 100 and 20-something guys on a boat trying to make sure we all do the things we need to do and and make the uh, numbers of surfaces equal the number of dives, which is just like a plane. You want your landings to equal your takeoff. So. Absolutely. That's fascinating. So how long did you do all that? I was technically in the Navy my last year at State, and then I got out and uh, I graduated and then served for five years. And three of those were on a submarine. There's a there's like two years of school you have to go to before you get to your boat. So right, wow. wow. So why don't we go back a little bit now? It always fascinates me to know and learn about your sports fandom. So where does all that lie? Well, we'll uh, we'll have a lot in common because I'm I'm a Saints fan. I live about a little more than an hour from the Superdome, so it, it's close for us. And then after I got out of the Navy, I get into journalism, and I actually covered the Saints on a daily beat for three years. So I have a little more knowledge of some stuff than wow. than most people do. And you know, when you when you when you're actually covering the team, you kind of have to set aside your fandom and that kind of stuff. But right. I'm back in in all that. And one of the one of the best days of my life was when the Saints won the Super Bowl. I told my wife about, it it might've been like week 12, week 13. I was like, you know, the Saints might win the Super Bowl this year. And I I think I might want to go down there because it was in Miami. Then as it went along, became clear they're going to go. I was just like, well, I think I'd just rather go to New Orleans. So I went over with some friends and we were out on Bourbon Street and got to celebrate over there, which was one of the craziest days. I've been over there for Mardi Gras and it was like probably more crowded than Mardi Gras. And, you know, Mardi Gras is obviously a good time, but you kind of have your groups and you're kind of hanging around with whoever your friends are. But for that celebration, it was just like everybody was high-fiving each other. Everybody <laughs> was you know, celebrating and it was such a great time. So what was that like after all those years, all those times with the paper bags over their heads and all that kind of stuff? What was that like covering that event? 
Well, I wasn't actually on the beat then, so oh, right. um, I got to enjoy it strictly as a fan, which made it better because, oh, you know, that that's a lot of work when you're doing that, especially oh, sure. after a Super Bowl. And, you know, and I'd covered a couple Super Bowls, but never one with the Saints in it. So I know those guys were having to write all kinds because we did all kinds of special sections and all that. In fact, earlier that week, they called and said, you know, I was off on Sunday and they said because uh, I was working on the desk at that point. And they said, do you want to come in and work on Sunday? I was like, absolutely not. I do not want to work. <laughs> I'm going to go to New Orleans and I'm going to have some adult beverages yep. and uh, hopefully celebrate. And now because we're big baseball fans here, are you a big baseball fan? I am. And like most of my other fandom outside of Mississippi State and the Saints is, is actually kind of Washington based and mainly for listening to Tony. Like I, I listened when... I was listening to them uh, for a long time before the Nats got there. But, you know, I remember when the kind of the Nigel character was first on the show mm -hmm. and I didn't have a team for a long time. And I, I, I kind of rooted for players rather than teams. Wow. And when the, when the Expos moved down there, they were not great. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm listening to him all the time. I get a lot of news. And I started following the, the Nats because it wasn't, you didn't feel bad about jumping on that bandwagon because they were pretty terrible. Sure. But uh, so that's that. And then I have a weird connection with the Capitals. One of Tony's favorite coaches, Bruce Boudreaux, was the head coach of a minor league hockey team down here in Biloxi. Uh, that was my first full-time beat, so I know Bruce pretty well. And so that that made it easy to start following the Capitals. I, I do not follow the football team up there, obviously, but I've been to like a D.C. United game, and uh, I don't really follow the MLS that close. But, you know, a lot of my stuff kind of points to, to Washington just because of all the stuff I, I hear. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Wizards or anything like that, but uh, – but a lot of the other Washington stuff has kind of stuck through listening to Tony. Yeah. Do you have an NBA team? Uh, I, I kind of pull for the Pelicans since they're here oh, close right. by, but yeah. I don't, I don't live and die with them. You know, yeah. if uh, I had these weird feelings right now, you know, with Chris Paul's success, he did, a, he did a lot of good stuff in New Orleans, but then kind of forced himself out. But I don't think it was quite as bad as Anthony Davis. So I don't totally begrudge the success he's had and, and, and that kind of stuff. But it's, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't live and die with the Pelicans, but they're the ones I follow right now. And they're, they're really interesting with Zion there right now. Sure. Do you think he's going to stay there though? I think he'll stay and sign the big contract and then within a year or so he'll start forcing his way out. So unless they kind of fix, fix the stuff that needs to be fixed, like their roster is not super great for what he's, what he's doing. So we'll have to see what happens. And who are you rooting in the finals? Do you have a I would probably go ahead and pull for the Suns, but it, it wouldn't bug me if the Bucks won. I, I kind of like Giannis and all his flaws, and and um, he's he's pretty amazing to watch. But um, and you know Devin Booker is from right down here. He played high school basketball right down the road from us oh, here wow. on the coast. So there's some connections to the Suns locally as well. Now, in your writing, do you cover any local? Like high school sports or it's just mostly college? and My biggest connection with local high schools is local kids we get to come play on our teams. Right. You know, we've, we've got guys who play football and baseball, basketball, and, and women who play those. So th that's really my biggest connection. I, I'm pretty in-depth with all of our teams and in our conference. We've got 15 community colleges in the state that play in our conference. So that, that kind of sucks up most of my concentration. Wow, that's interesting. And what division is that? Well, it's the uh, NJCAA. It's the national organization. It's is uh, two-year schools. Right. And so 
six or seven guys playing in the NFL right now who left our school and went on to play. We had a guy who played for Alabama, a guy named Isaiah Bugs, who now plays for the Steelers, wow. who some of the Steel City folks might be interested in. He played for us and uh, then went on to Alabama, won a national championship and is up there. And uh, we've got some other guys sprinkled through the league. And then we send guys and gals on to uh, four-year schools to play the other sports as well. We've almost always got guys playing, guys from the NJCAA who played in the Super Bowl, that kind of stuff. We had a guy a couple of years ago who was on the Chiefs team that won. He was he was injured and didn't get to play. And then he came back late in the season last year, but he never did really recover from a knee injury. And he just got cut about a week or so ago. So he's kind of trying to figure out what he's going do now but there were a bunch of juco kids who played on the in the college world series and all throughout that the other teams in the tournament so you know juco is kind of one of those that if people don't know they they're always kind of shocked to hear exactly how how big a part it is college athletics wow well listen don we already have to take a break so i'm not even asking if you can come back because we have so much more to get into I'm on summer break this week. Well, that's perfect. All right, all you loyal littles, we'll be right back with Meet the Littles. One eight seven seven, come to Lewis. Looks like lose, but pronounce Lewis. Hey, hey, hey! Shed from DC here, schwitzing like an Airedale, and extending an invitation to join me for the summer of littles. Hope you'll stop by because I am breaking out the good china, and it is only the best for my guests. We have three simple rules, and of course they are in haiku form. The bathroom is the third tree on the right, so please don't forget to knock. There's a garden hose, so the unlimited drinks, they're on me, my friends. This is a potluck, and I have got a sweet tooth. Desserts always work. Hope to see you on August 7th. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. It's Roxy speaking, and we are so happy to have Don Hammock with us today. And let's keep this interview going. Okay, but quick question. <laughs> what? Who else would it be? Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> All right, just checking. Well, I mean, sometimes we obviously have other female co-hosts, but sure. I mean... Anyway, Don, thank you so much for being here. That was a great job, actually, Roxy. Thank you. Appreciate it. So let's get back into this real quick, but let's go back a little bit first. You brushed upon it, and it sounds like you're an old school listener. And so when did you start listening to Tony? How did you get into him and all that? I started when he was on ESPN broadcasting from the ESPN Sports Zone. That's the ESPN Zone. That was an old joke. He would say ESPN Sports Zone, and Gary would have to correct him with ESPN Zone. Um, <laughs> It was on our local ESPN radio in kind of late morning, and it was actually back when I was covering the hockey team. I would you have a lot of late nights, and so I would wake up uh, with that kind of on and would listen to him. And then I was able to kind of follow him as he went along through all the various Washington radio iterations, mm -hmm. you know, different stations and all that kind of stuff. And I even somebody else mentioned it. I, I had one of the portable XM uh, satellite radio devices and you could essentially do like podcasting before podcasting was a thing. You, you could set it to record the show and then go back and listen to it later. So oh, wow. uh, and so like I've listened to probably almost every day other than there was one chunk I missed when he shifted the radio station. So I didn't realize he was back on the air. But uh, I, I'm a I'm a little bit of a, a completist. I do miss the days of the internet show. I think y'all have, have talked about it before when they used to just 
the mics roll in between or during commercial breaks from ESPN. And it was uh, totally subversive what they were doing. And it was a miracle. It lasted as long as it did. And <laughs> it didn't continue. I wish I, I was involved in those days cause I wasn't, but, uh, some I think I had to call him out. I heard the Rich Eisen thing live, uh-huh. but if you can ever go back and listen to that uh, recording, there's some around on the web. It's a very funny clip. Well, I think I can drop the name Bill Laheka. He for when we did his interview, he forwarded us some clips. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if that was one, but yeah, there were some real treats in there. <laughs> and, well, no, because you know, you know, Tony as this older kind of wants to do a family type show i mean i know it's not the kids and stuff but you know what i mean it's, yeah it's just really interesting like keep to it see. clean and yeah like we do here and then the they get off the podcast. air and it's like all bets are off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah we we got a little drop that they hopefully are gonna be doing some studio stuff soon too so that's good yeah i mean i, I think the show is better when they're able to do that i yeah. think it's Trying to do the news and those other segments via Zoom or however they're doing them is not as great. It's and uh, yeah, it, it, but I enjoy listening to him talk about just about anything. And to me, the more kind of pedestrian stuff he talks about, that's generally where the stuff you remember comes from. Like I don't really care what he says about LeBron or any of that other mm-hmm. stuff. It's taking a shower in Augusta, you know, in a bathtub. <laughs> those are the stories that stick with you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So now with you being a writer yourself, obviously you have a lot in common and obviously sports with Tony and our apologies from the loyalists because maybe we should have introduced you this way. And now, of course, I'm going to get snagged on a technicality here, but maybe we should have introduced you as Pulitzer Prize winning Don Hammock when we introduced you. Now, can you go into that a little bit? Well, I'll tell you that's not accurate. And I asked the, the people at Columbia you know, there in New York whether I could actually refer to myself as that, and I cannot. Because our paper won the Pulitzer for public service after Katrina. The Mississippi coast got wiped out by that storm. And we did a lot of the paper in our newspaper chain at the time, did a lot of great stuff to kind of earn that win. And it was one of those that I wish I was super proud we won it. I wish we never had just because of the death and destruction that came along with it. But I tell this story about a week into the aftermath. I said to somebody, I said, I need to write a story to get on the, on a one, you know, on the front page of the paper. And then about an hour later, I said, wait a second. I had a byline on the main A1 story the day after the hurricane came ashore. And I just, by that point, I'd totally forgotten about it because we were, you know, running on no sleep. But those were interesting times for sure. And so that must have been kind of crazy being right there with all that. I mean, what was that like? How far were you from all that devastation and stuff? I was in downtown Gulfport at uh, the county courthouse. I was kind of embedded with the emergency management agency folks there. And like I was actually out in downtown Gulfport in the middle of the storm when the eye came through. We went out and kind of looked around and we got to downtown Gulfport and there was a, a big buoy from the channel sitting in the middle of the street. And I was like, well, this is pretty bad. And, uh, you know, we saw debris all over the place. And, and it, like the buoy was essentially about even with if you drew a line west, that was like where my house was. I lived about two blocks from the beach. And so I was like, well, this, this isn't very, this isn't very good. And when we were able to kind of get out, we were able to see exactly how much destruction there was. And like my house was the first house on our street that had anything left, but it wasn't enough to save or anything. So 
all of our family was safe and all that. And I had coworkers who lost family members and stuff like that. So it was a, a trying time from personally and professionally and all that. And But then the day we won the Pulitzer, we went to this bar to celebrate and I met my eventual wife there. So oh my uh, gosh. I'll, wow. I'll uh, say that I, sir. I wouldn't have... We call that burying the lead, I think. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, and, and she also worked at the newspaper, but I, she worked in advertising and I worked in the newsroom. And I always say that she was scared of the mean people in the newsroom and I was scared of the hot chicks in advertising. So, <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Our, our paths didn't cross until until that. So. Wow. wow. And how long have you been married? It'll be 14 years in September. Wow, congratulations. congratulations. On all that and being a part of that team. And I mean, I know, obviously, you wish it was under better conditions now. But please tell me, are, you're not one of those that stand out there in like 100 mile an hour winds and hang on to like a pole. And like... No, I, I, I kind of people around here kind of freak out when Cantori, you know, Jim Cantori shows up from the Weather Channel. And I, I just think that's kind of uh, he, he really kind of bugs me. He's uh, that whole storm porn kind of world is, uh, you know, if you've lived through it, it's kind of you know, yeah. too much. You know what, All really, that, speaking of things that bug you with the weather station. What grinds your gears, What grinds Foxy. your gears. I find it hilarious, but also, like, why? When a big storm is coming and they're like, they start taking their jackets off, loosening their ties, rolling up their sleeves, taking their shoes off, and where they're like, we're hunkering down tonight. It's going to be a big one. You're safe in a studio somewhere. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> It's almost like they're scaring. Yeah, trying to scare yeah, the people, which yeah. always bothered me. But yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's good. I think because a lot it's of people don't want to leave, right? And they mean it. Maybe you know, showing, but, right? But still, I, I'm, I'm just. Is there? I don't know. I think rolling up your sleeves is that really going to yeah. convince people that this is bad? I don't know uh, because there are those a... people that just stand out there and hold onto a pole for dear life. But yeah. anyway, I always love it when they get caught. With something silly. Now, I don't know if those are made up too. Uh, do you know what I'm referring to? Like when they're like, oh, the water's there. And then they see someone walking by behind them. Yeah. Like, right. You know, like, there's a famous clip of the one. She's sitting in a canoe doing a live yeah. shot. And somebody <laughs> walks behind them in like, you know, shin deep water. Right. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. And before Roxy and I get into our silly, dumb, fun questions, as we like to do, now, we were talking off air, and as I've said in the past, you know, Littles, when we take a break, we take a little break, and we start getting chit-chatting. Now, I was boasting about my predictions that I made, you know, from the Super Bowl that the Saints were in and the Jeter 3000. Now, apparently, you have proof and witnesses that you made one of your own here. Why don't you go into that? Yeah, I was in the newsroom uh, for the Iron Bowl. It, it's probably a decade or so ago now, and it was the one where Alabama lined up late in the game to try and kick a, I think it was a winning field goal. It was at least a tying field goal with like five seconds left or something like that. And it was going to be like a 58-yarder or something like that, and the kid had never done anything yeah. like that before. And I told people in the newsroom, now, I've made a thousands of predictions in yeah. the newsroom that don't come true. But this one, I said, he's going to miss the kick and they're going to run it back for a touchdown. And 15 seconds later, the game yeah. is over because Auburn scores a touchdown on the on what's known as the kick six. And now it's, it's like the easiest return there is because the, the kicking team, they don't have guys that can make tackles. So it's easy if you get somebody with a the ball, they just can outrun everybody. Sure. Wow, that's amazing. And I actually remember that because I happened to be on a dinner break. I don't remember which tour I was on. It was in some random hotel room, and I was eating dinner, and I just happened to flip it on. 
Because I, I always hear, I'm not a big college football guy. I don't follow it because I didn't, my college didn't have a football team. I went to a Division three school. They do now, but we didn't when I went to school. But everyone's like, oh, this is a good game every year. And it, sure enough, it was. I was like, oh, it's coming down to the last kick. And all of a sudden, so I actually saw that live on TV and I'll never forget that. All right. Well, Roxy, what do we got here? So I'm very into the Olympics. I'm curious if you follow them at all. And they're, the Summer Olympics will be starting soon. Have you ever covered them at all or? I've never covered them, but we actually have, she's probably the best athlete that our school has ever produced. Her name is Brittany Reese. She played basketball at Gulf Coast Community College, but she went on to Ole Miss and ran track. She's a long jumper, and this will be her fourth Olympics. She's won a gold and a silver. She finished fourth at her first one, so she's trying to win a I think it's she'd be only the second woman to ever win two long jump gold medals. So, oh. yeah, I mean, I have interest in them personally and professionally. Wow. So, okay, I, I have a few Olympic-related questions. So are you Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics, do, or it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. I'll watch just about any sport. Yeah. I watch Aussie Rules football and hurling and all kinds of stuff, so... There's all kinds of things I like to like to watch. So what would you say is your favorite more obscure? I say obscure because I just mean something that you don't regularly see on television. What would be your favorite Olympic sport that's somewhat obscure like that? The one that amazes me is not a bigger sport in the U.S. is volleyball. Mm. I, I don't understand why Americans haven't kind of taken to volleyball. It's a very athletic it's not really nonstop, but it's it's continuous and, sure. you know, it's just point after point. You don't have huddles and all that. And, you know, I love football and all that. But if you combine the, the action time of, fo- of a football it's like game, six it's like six minutes, right? Yeah. It's and so it's volleyball is the one to me. And, and I enjoyed playing. I played some, you know, just intramurals and stuff like that in college. And oh, I played cool. little beach volleyball and stuff like that. But uh, uh, that's the one that always amazes me is not bigger. Well, Chuck I, was varsity, right? I in was, high school, four year varsity yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. Saying that, so. um, and it's soon gonna it's gonna be break dancing after this summer because oh that's gosh. that's the new one for this year. I'm looking very forward. to <laughs> I am out on break dancing. I, I mean, not... I'll watch. I'm curious, but I think I'm gonna hate it. I'm actually interested to see what music they're gonna use. Honestly, mm. that's part of it for me. Honestly, mm. I'm trying I just to don't see. know what the judging will be. Right. That's the, the, yeah. I'm not a fan of sports with judging. Yeah, you know, they're as athletic as like being a rocket, mm-hmm. yeah. but. I don't think you'd necessarily need to judge the Rockettes. Right. It doesn't work. It's so subjective. And and even like Simone Biles is obviously one of the greatest athletes of all times, sure. but they have just destroyed that scoring system because they just won't give her credit for stuff that she does because yeah. nobody else can do it. Right. She's yeah. totally fractured that right. system. Yeah. So. yeah. She's all right. incredible. Well, thank you for all that, Roxy. But Chuck, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have more, but go ahead. It's well, your Chuck's turn. now going to get this back on, you know, track here because, you know, this is the time. Uh, so here's a new question we're going to premiere today on the Loyal Littles podcast. What would you do if you were invisible for a day? <laughs> that was a great reaction, sir. We appreciate that. He's like, I can't believe I agreed to come on this stupid podcast. <laughs> No, and I enjoy listening to other people answer these questions, but I'm never all that great at it. Uh, robbing a bank would be uh, would be thing, but they would always catch you. You can't just hide all that money. Yeah. Uh, well, question about that: like, if you take the money, you're invisible. Does the money become invisible, or is it? Or <laughs> no, will you just see like 
dollar bills I would have like to, strolling. You'd have to go in there and hack it some way and transfer money into your account. Some, yeah, right. You know, right, 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 right. What about like a uh, press conference? You know that you normally wouldn't be able to be in. Uh, I've been in enough of those where it's uh, not doesn't matter. Uh, I, then you're trying to think, what could I do for world peace? Yeah, I was like, well, I, I think personal uh, improvement would be uh, would be better. Right. Could could I like break into the lottery board and figure out what the numbers were going to be that night? That might be something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, that's fun. I keep going towards the more deep questions, but that's what okay. what accomplishment are you most proud of? The Pulitzer would be up there in mm-hmm. uh, part of that team. Uh, the, the other one from the Navy is when you kind of qualify as you get, they're called dolphins. That's the insignia you get for passing all the tests and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you get to kind of be in charge of the submarine. That was a big deal that reflected a lot of, a lot of hard work and knowledge and that kind of stuff. Sure. Great. All right. And here's an oldie, but a goodie. If you were to host Saturday night live, who would you want to introduce as your musical guest? Uh, my favorite band is Wilco, and uh, I don't oh. know that they've been mentioned on not the yet. podcast before, but I would I would probably try and, and line them up, and uh, I've seen them. I'm not Liz Clark and seen Springsteen 800 times, but I've seen Wilco probably close to double-digit times. Wow. That, that would, I would get on there. So Favorite song? War on War, something like that. Mm. You know, they have a lot of great songs, and uh, I find them to be better live than even their recordings. I don't really understand their albums until I see them perform it live, and you figure out who's doing what and, Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's why uh, I kind of enjoy them. They're very professional and put on good shows. And I think Jeff Tweedy has kind of come out of his shell a lot here in the past decade. Oh, that's great. I think we might have done this one. I'm not sure, though. But what fictional character do you wish you could meet? Fictional character? The book I've read probably more than any other is Dune. Mm-hmm. And so I would I don't know if anybody else is if, if either of y'all are familiar with it. But the Paul Muad'Dib is the guy kind of turns into this Messiah guy. And it would just kind of be interesting to see that. Well, Don, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all these great stories. Is there anything you want to plug? How can we find you if you want to be found on Twitter, those kind of things? I'm just at Don Hammock, H-A-M-M-A-C-K, on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, I'll give a plug for my school website, uh, mgcccbulldogs.com. And that's what it is on Twitter and Facebook and all that. If you follow the account on Twitter, you will get snowed under during actual games. But you can feel free to check us out and see what junior college sports is about. Wow. That sounds great. Well, thank you again. And as an homage to the big show, we'll get you out of here on this. Uranus jokes, not funny or never not funny? Never not funny in some form of moderation. So maybe never is too much, but... um, (laughs) Mostly funny? Are you will bonding this question? You're will bonding this question, aren't you? Uh, uh, Are you surprised by that? No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) You know, hey, I spent three years on a submarine where all we did was fart jokes. So I can can make Uranus jokes with the the best of them. Sure, sure. love it. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I'd rather not say in case (laughs) employers listening. Oh, right. Well, and cool Aunt Claire, right? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't mention her name. Oh, good Uh. for you, sir. (laughs) All right, John, thank you so much. This has been great. And thank you on behalf of all the littles for not making us wait till episode 249, as we thought we were originally going to have to do. Oh, it's my pleasure. (laughs) All right, all you loyal littles, we'll be right back. 
This is Mark Schaefer, and you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. Happy birthday, Tony. How, that was for you, Chuck. How was that? Yeah, oh, that's great. All right. <laughs> oh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Don, for coming on. We do have to mention real quick before Bob loses his mind because here Don came up. Now, now in Don's defense, he literally texted us like seconds after we got off the interview with him to say, oh, by the way, we should mention that he is hosting a Summer of Littles in Biloxi, Mississippi. It's at Flying Llama Brewing, which sounds, that's just a fun name to me, I think. So head on over to summeroflittles.com and go to the RSVP page. Yeah. So anyway, so make sure you go say hi. If you're anywhere near the Biloxi, Mississippi area, make sure you go see Don at Flying Llama Brewing. I really want to go to the Flying Llama. I'm a brewery. That sounds so good. Can you imagine a shirt? I bet they have great shirts. They probably do. They probably do. I'm sure you can get one. Maybe, you know, Don can probably send you one, Chuck. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to Don. Yeah. Speaking of, Chuck, uh, are you going to host something here in Springfield, Missouri, or what? Yeah, I'm waiting for the big announcement. Okay. All right. So we might have a big announcement. Okay. All right, you two, let's get to the news. One-time Yankees All-Star Joe Pepitone sues Hall of Fame over mantle home run bat. Now, do you know this story, Chuck? Mm, I don't think so. In May of 1967, New York Yankees legend Mickey Mantle was on the verge of joining the elite club of Major League players who have hit 500 home runs. Mantle was 35, and nearing the end of his career, he had been stuck at 499 for more than a week when the Yankees faced the Baltimore Orioles in a Sunday afternoon game at Yankee Stadium. In the sixth inning, Mantle's pal Joe gave the Yankees the lead with a pinch hit home run. When Mantle came up in the seventh inning, Joe told his buddy that his 29-ounce bat, lighter than Mantle's own 32-ounce, had another home run in it, quote-unquote. Mantle smiled, took his bat, and proceeded to smack a pitch from the Orioles pitcher Stu Miller into the right field stands, becoming just the sixth player and the first switch hitter in baseball history to reach the milestone of 500 home runs. After the game, the Yankees sent the history-making bat to the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. The bat remains part of the Hall of Fame collection. Now, here's where it gets interesting is, according to Pepitone, in a July 7th lawsuit filed in federal court in Utica, New York, he claims that the bat, which was inscribed with his signature under his contract with batmaker Hillrich and Bradsby, is his property. And he says Mantle returned the bat to him after hitting the landmark home run. He put it in his personal locker, but when he went back to check for it, the bat had disappeared. A Yankees front office official told him that the club had removed the bat from his locker in order to send the artifact to Cooperstown. Pepitone says he agreed to lend the bat to the Hall of Fame, even though the Yankees took it from his locker without his consent. Over the years, he alleges in the lawsuit, he was repeatedly assured by the Hall of Fame officials that the museum would return the bat to him if he asked for it. But when they lodged a formal request last September for the bat to be returned, they rejected his request. Wait, so- stinking Yankees, man. I tell you what. <laughs> First of all, you, I'll tell you what, man, these Yankees, they, they just get on my nerves all the time. <laughs> I don't know. It so sounds it was, like maybe the Yankees should just give this guy, cut him a check and then just let bygones. Like season tickets or something, right? That's all he needs. Yeah, right? exactly. 
it's probably all you need. You probably just need some, some money to go to Chick-fil-A or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> What's our next story? Speaking of fast food. <laughs> yeah, good segue, Chuck. Um, yeah. Uh, so a woman was finally arrested after she stopped at a McDonald's drive-thru for chicken nuggets in the middle of a two-hour police chase. Johanna, <laughs> yeah. Johanna Gardell pulled into the McDonald's drive-thru in Worcester, Massachusetts. And during that two-hour police chase, she ran red lights and rammed into police cruisers. The chase eventually came to an end when she pulled into the drive-thru to order chicken nuggets, a witness said. She now faces 15 charges, including resisting arrest and leaving the scene of an accident with property damage. I mean... Well, did she get the chicken nuggets? That's the important part of the story. I know. You got to eat. eat. And you know what? Chicken nuggets, <laughs> the McNuggets are actually pretty good. Yeah. And I hate to say it. No, I really, no. they're, they're so gross, but they're so good. If I, mean, I was in a two-hour police chase, I would need some nuggets, and I would probably do the same thing. But you wouldn't stop like at Burger King, right, for the, like those chicken No, McNuggets. Nuggets. No, it's not the same no, thing, No, McDonald's, right? yeah. yeah. Chuck, is there a specific chick- fast food place that would get you to stop? drive through. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, probably In-N-Out Burger. Mm. Ah, that's a good, good. one. Mm-hmm. It's Littles, pretty damn good. Littles, what, what would get you to stop? You're in the middle of a police chase, <laughs> two hours long, but you're driving by a blank, and you have to pull in. I mean, yeah. Let us know. Let us know. Write us in. I mean, all right. And then our last story. Now, Roxy, listen up for this, because we've got some video, I believe, from a 4th of July event that you attended. Okay. Yep. So this story is a viral video captured the moment festival goers in Michigan had to rush to prevent an out of control carnival ride from falling over while passengers were on it. The incident took place at Traverse City's National Cherry Festival. Several people posted videos to show the Magic Carpet Carnival Ride, which features a row of seats attached to a large swinging pendulum as it suddenly began to rock forward and backward. Arnold Amusements, the company that runs the carnival ride, says on its website that the magic carpet takes people 50 feet into the air. That's terrifying. So, Roxy, how do you feel about that carnival ride you went on last? I mean, I feel the same. I was terrified. I get really excited about carnival rides until I get up to said carnival ride, and then I start to hyperventilate. My heart is beating out of my chest, and it's really funny. Yeah, I went on a carnival ride, and I... I actually think I almost kicked a guy in the head as I was coming around. It was more Ferris wheel like, but it was, it wasn't straight up and down and around. It was out and over like diagonally. So if you take a Ferris wheel and just lay it down slightly, it it was kind of like that. Anyway, Chuck, what's your favorite County fair ride? I feel like anytime you walk into a a fair or carnival, everything there is sketch anyway. I mean, yeah. whether it's the, the food, the rides, though. the people working there, you're taking your life in your own hands. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy operating the ride that I went on, we definitely told him that he can go slow. He doesn't have to go fast with the ride. And his face every time we came around was just like more and more like well, evil, like, hey, hey, I'm okay, going to get defense, you, though, you know. I mean, you were dressed in these honey tap costumes with wigs <laughs> yeah. and yeah, anyway. We, so. we looked real cute. Of course you did. So. <laughs> All right, that's all the time we have for today. Chuck, thank you so much. Tiny Chuck, this is the birthday present right here, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, happy 
Happy birthday, Tony. All right. <laughs> All right, Roxy, tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. You can email us at WTFCpodnet at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're also on Instagram at the Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget about our Facebook page, the Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget to run on over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts and get us a nice rate and review over there. We really appreciate that. Thank you again, Don Hammock, for coming on as our Meet the Littles guest. And happy birthday, Tony. Happy birthday, Tony. When's Wilbon's birthday? podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles Podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, yeah.